What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Hope you're having an awesome day. Just like us in Red Zone Radio on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere that you get your podcast. All right, so once again, unfortunately, I might have to change the time I do this podcast because yesterday, you know, I was talking about how on Monday I record an episode. Then the news came about Russell Wilson after I had recorded and published it. Then yesterday I do an episode talking about Russell Wilson. Then later on in the day, Carson Wentz gets traded to the Washington Commanders. Uh, so I may have to change the, time, change the time I do this podcast, but let's talk about what this means for a second. So um, if you've listened to my podcast for any amount of time, you know that I'm a Carson Wentz supporter, and I am. Uh, I, I think he's got a big arm. I think he's a big quarterback. I think he can move around. I, I think he can really do what you need him to do. The problem, of course, is the recklessness, as we all know. But let me ask you a question. And before, let me just kind of, before I go into this, let me just say, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this. Um, so let me just, but I just want you, because you're going to think I'm crazy. So just hear me out on this for a second. What if I told you there's a way that the Washington Commanders getting Carson Wentz benefits them just as much, if not more, than the Broncos getting Russell Wilson? I know it sounds crazy, but hear me out on this. I'm not suggesting that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, that the Broncos made a bad move. The the Broncos made a great move. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is, this is a unique set of circumstances. As far as the Broncos are concerned, they've got talent, right? I mean, mean, they got talent all over the field. But let's not forget, okay, that they also have, by far now, in my opinion, the best division in all football. You still got to face the Raiders twice a year, who no matter what, they're a headache to face. Derek Carr was a great quarterback. They got Josh McDaniels as their head coach now. You got to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year. And you got to face Justin Herbert twice a year. Okay? Those are legitimate things you're going to have to face. Not to mention you're playing the AFC, who, in my in my opinion, is filled filled with, with quarterback talent. I mean, just, and I, I went through the list yesterday, just unbelievable quarterbacks. But let's now talk about what the case is for the Washington Commanders. Sorry, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to that name. I, I got used to calling them Washington football team. Now I'm getting used to calling them Washington Commanders. All right, it's going to take a second. But anyway, the Washington Commanders have Carson Wentz as their quarterback. They are playing in the worst division in all football. I think most people would agree with that. Um, the schedule favors you. I've seen Carson Wentz at his best, and I know he hasn't been there in a while. But at his best, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. At his best, at his best, he took. I, I still remember that game. Uh, I, I still remember hearing about that game two years ago from people. Not two years; it, it was a few years ago. Where it was uh, the final regular season game. 
Carson, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles played the Dallas Cowboys. Carson Wentz took a beat up team in to Jerry World and outdueled Dak Prescott with the loaded team that Dak Prescott had. I'm not saying I take Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott at this moment, but if we're talking about ceilings here, Carson Wentz got the higher ceiling, and he hasn't reached it in a while, and I get that, but there's no reason why he can't. There's no reason why I can't get back into it. Um, so they have a quarterback who's not physically limited anyway. If you can somehow lean off the turnover somewhat, I, listen, he's not going to turn into a, uh, you know, he's not going to be Drew Brees in terms of making decisions with the football. But let's not act like like it's impossible to, to cut down on some turnovers with the right coaching and with the right players. He now has Terry McLaurin, who is by far the best receiver he's ever had. By the way, there's no saying I have a mock draft coming up here shortly. And in my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington tries to take their run at another receiver. Get him some weapons. You've got players. You've got weapons. you got the coach. And let's not forget the big thing here, the defense. I mean, it is an unbelievable loaded defense who even last year when this team struggled, they lost players. You know, they lost Chase Young. They're going to have Chase Young and Montez Sweat in just an unbelievable defense. And there's no telling if you get another weapon, if you get a Chris Olave, or if you get a Garrett Wilson, or someone mixing it with that offense Carson Wentz in the, in the bad division that is the NFC East. There is no telling what that division can do. There, I mean, there is no telling what could happen with the Washington Commanders. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But... Back to my original point here, which was, could this trade be more valuable than the Russell Wilson trade? Could be. I mean, look, you got to think of it this way. Is Russell Wilson the better quarterback? Probably. Uh, Did the Broncos get Russell Wilson for an absolute steal? Probably. Uh, Are the Broncos going to be approved next year? Probably. But... Does that make their schedule easier? Not really, right? I I, I mean, they're, they're not, it's not going to, having Russell Wilson doesn't mean you don't have to play Derek Carr twice a year or Justin Herbert twice a year or Patrick Mahomes twice a year or any of these other, other any of those other great AFC teams. That, it, it, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that at all. And not to mention the Cincinnati Bengals are now, Appear to be a powerhouse in the AFC. Titans aren't going anywhere. The Browns are are very easily. I think they're a. I think they're a player or two away from from really clicking and gelling as a team. They're loaded with talent. What you want to say about the Browns? You can say whatever you want about the Browns, but they're loaded with talent this year. The Ravens. I, I know they haven't had the best last couple of years, but my gosh, they've got. You know, Lamar Jackson, one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. They're probably going to take a weapon. The Washington Commanders are a team next year to watch out for. They're not the most talented, but they're going to have weapons. They're going to have a quarterback that can that can play, that is not limited. 
uh, they're gonna ha- if Carson Wentz can lean back on the turnovers, this team could be dangerous. I mean, I mean, this team could be seriously a legit, legit contender, and there's no telling what could happen with this team. They've got the schedule. They've got the division favorability. They got the conference favorability. They got the quarterback. They got weapons, especially if they draft someone in the draft. They got edge rushers, and I think they got the coach. So look, Washington Commanders are going to be a sleeping team next year. I'm telling you, this is a bigger deal than people are giving it credit for. I'm seeing a lot of people on social media giving Carson Wentz a hard time. Has he struggled? Yes. But I've seen what he can do. And and I know this is what people say. Okay, so because he had one good year, they got hurt. But here's what you got to understand. That one good year, okay, he did that. Carson Wentz has never he's always in in my opinion this is my opinion Carson Wentz has always kind of throughout his whole career for whatever reason he's always just kind of been turned aside by most people like like the initial response to him people just aren't crazy about him like when Philadelphia drafted him uh, number two overall I believe Jared Goff went before him and everyone was saying I would rather have Jared Goff and like it's funny because you can make the argument, oh, Jerry Goff won the Super Bowl, and, and I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. But it, when you watch the team, right, I, I've seen Carson Wentz carry teams. I've seen him carry the Eagles. And then a COVID year happens, and he's with an extremely, extremely limited team. It, it's fun. You know what's funny about this? I specifically remember the game when he started having troubles. It was week one of the COVID year. And you know who they played week one of the COVID year, if I'm not mistaken? Washington. I, I mean, I remember that specifically. And they lost that game. And then all of a sudden, the questions, the, the jury was still out on Carson Wentz. And, and it's funny because, to me, Carson Wentz has kind of had, he's kind of always gotten the wrong of the deal because you get drafted. People like Jared Goff better than him. He carries Philadelphia to the Super Bowl. He gets hurt. He gets hurt. Nick Foles, not to the Super Bowl, to the playoffs. Nick Foles comes in, takes his place. Next season, all Eagles fans want to talk about Nick is Nick Foles. Then, he outdueled Dak Prescott the last game of the year. Yeah, they lost because their team was limited, but he still carried them to the playoffs again. And then COVID year happens, doesn't really have, you know, everyone was struggling, has a limited team, and he struggles a little bit. And we all know that Philadelphia is not a forgiving town because they ran him out. Goes to Indianapolis, does well for the first seven weeks, and because he struggled last season, gets tossed aside again. And now another team's given him a chance, and I think it's going to work out. I, I I question teams who bail on their quarterbacks when they go through rough patches. And the problem with Carson Wentz is I saw Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, what, and I love Patrick Mahomes. He's, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But he had a rough, rough week, uh, middle stretch this season this year. We all remember that, right? And Kansas City wasn't ready to throw him out. Kansas City wasn't threatening to throw him out. I've seen quarterbacks go through rough stretches before. It happens. But the thing is, 
every time in his career when Carson Wentz went through rough rough stretches, teams just tossed him aside. They said, oh, he's too reckless with the football, and he is reckless. He is reckless, and I'm not disputing that. But the problem is, if you're going to be so strong towards that side of the spectrum, where you're saying every time he has a rough stretch, we got to get rid of him, then you got to be strong on the other side too. And when he does good, you got to treat him like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the problem is, nobody's ever treated him that way. It's always been when he does bad, let's just throw him to the side. When he does good, it's luck. And there's no in-between. And so, I believe, and by the way, the Indianapolis thing was working. It was working very well, in my opinion. And then he had a rough stretch, and then everyone said, oh boy, here goes Reckless Wentz again. Sometimes, I believe, it, not that it's the media job or anything, it's not the media job to encourage athletes. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I am saying is, I do think it's it was ridiculous when he was doing good, everyone said he's declining. And then he does bad, and I was like, see, I told you, that's reckless Carson Wentz right there. And it it, it, it can't be that way. It has to be a fair, if you're going to judge, you got to judge everyone that way. And the problem is they weren't doing it. It was because it was Carson Wentz. So, I'm just going to wrap up this segment of it like, like this. I believe that Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders makes them a playoff contender, makes them a component, makes them a legit contender for winning their division, and makes them a contender in the NFC. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but think about it. The NFC, and I said this yesterday, is by far the easier conference now. Think about the great quarterbacks in the NFC. And you can eliminate probably, arguably, the top two that have played in it the past few years. Not, 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 it's not set in stone. Aaron Rodgers certainly in that comp is certainly in there. Um, but I'm just saying, you can you took away Tom, take away Tom Brady, take away Russell Wilson, and you know what? You can even make an argument. You can even make an argument that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be there. The NFC is just getting depleted of their great quarterbacks left and right. And by the way, I said yesterday when I ended the podcast, I said I think the next quarterback domino to fall is going to be Kyler Murray. I was wrong. It was Carson Wentz. So this idea that, you know, Washington isn't getting a good quarterback or this doesn't benefit them is crazy. They're in an easier conference, an easier division. Loaded with talent on defense side of the ball. You get you get Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, who, by the way, you can trade up, or I think that you're still going to have one of them there by the time you pick. This could be a very, this could be a very, very dangerous Washington squad next year. All right. Well, I do, I've been, pro, I've been telling you guys, I've been saying I have a mock draft uh, in the works, and Yesterday, I think I finally completed it, and uh, you know, it's funny, you look through the prospects this year, you look through the players, and I've said this before, but the thing is, with this year's draft, is I feel like we've been kind of spoiled the past few drafts, in the sense that 
we've had uh, let me just give you a list of some of the prospects we've had the past few drafts at the quarterback and edge rusher position chase young many people are saying was arguably the best edge prospect ever trevor lawrence one of the best quarterback prospects ever joe burrow a very good very good quarterback prospect uh nick boza joey boza uh, just elite, elite players at the edge positions, uh, at the edge positions, and at the quarterback position. And so, what's kind of funny is this year you can make an argument. There's not really an elite player at the position. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson certainly can make an argument for the edge, but outside of that, th- th- there's not a whole lot of elite, elite prospects at those two positions. But there's it's loaded with depth. In talent uh, with receivers. By the way, and I said this the other day, quarterbacks, I'm telling you, uh, if your team needs a quarterback, do not be disappointed if they get one of these guys because I, I, I know people are acting like this is a bad quarterback class, but I'm telling you, one. I, 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 in my opinion, the guy that I'm really look, looking forward to watching is uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. I watched him at Ole Miss. He was just such a great team and locker room type of guy, always led them to wins, always led them, you know, to where they needed to be. And and I tell you the thing I really like about him, not that this should always come into consideration, but he played in the Sugar Bowl, and in an era where players are, are sitting out of bowl games, and I'm not even saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying it really shows you the love they had for his team, goes on to the NFL draft, and, uh, Always put up a fight against everybody he's playing against, and he's mobile. I think he's going to be a guy to watch out for. But anyway, here it is, my first round of mock draft. I will be posting this on my Instagram, redzone uh, underscore radio, if you want to look at it. But let's start off here with my first round mock draft. All right, so here we go. Number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, I debated on this back and forth. I thought maybe they get a tackle, somebody to protect Trevor Lawrence. But I thought, you know what? Why not make the move? If you're a franchise, if you're Jacksonville Jaguars, you really don't want to have that number and overall pick again anytime soon. And you don't know when you're going to have a chance to get an elite edge rusher like uh, Aiden Hutchinson again. Dominated teams, dominated, uh, you know, pretty much uh, everybody. The thing I really like about him is is he stayed at Michigan, worked his way up, uh Worked with Jim Harbaugh, beat Ohio State, did whatever he needed to do. But his work ethic, a plus, uh, as far as being an edge rusher goes, a plus, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, whatever. And I'm telling you, if Aiden Hutchison goes to Jacksonville, it, it, just think about this for one second. Personally, and I talked about Ur Meyer a couple, I, I believe I talked about that, but... Now, personally, personally, I would not have made the move of firing Urban Meyer. But you know what? Some stuff came out. Stuff happened. So the move gets made. But you know what now? You've got a coach in uh, Doug Peterson, who I believe is going to help Trevor Lawrence out a lot. Trevor Lawrence is going to be in his second year. Do you have a whole lot of... Weapons and, and all that, probably not. But you do have 
good players on your defense side of the ball and to get an edge rusher. I'm not saying it's going to automatically make them automatically make them playoff contenders or or anything like that, but this is what I would say. It 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 gets you another corner and I and I say this a lot and I think you guys know what I mean, but it gets you another cornerstone piece, right? And we all know what that is. In the NFL, you got your cornerstone positions. Obviously, quarterback is one. Uh, but another one, very important, second most important, is an edge rusher. If you have an elite edge rusher, someone who can put pressure, the whole purpose, listen, and, and maybe you guys notice this when I talk about quarterbacks or anything, but the whole purpose to me of of the draft, it, not even the draft, but getting certain players at certain positions, is to make the opposing team have to legitimately look at that player and go, they're going to be a problem, for example, if it's an edge rusher. They're going to be a problem if we don't double them. Or if it's a speed guy. They're going to be a problem if we don't put a safety deep back in the field. Uh, or if it's a if it's a quarterback that can run around. They're going to be a problem if we don't put a spy on him. Right? And that's why I really appreciate and, and I really if 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 I was in if it, you notice this with my mock drafts, if I was a team I'd put some deep consideration into is getting unique talent types. It, it getting someone that makes that that during the week when the other team is game planning, it makes them look at that guy and go, Okay, we gotta do this, we got we gotta put an extra guy here, we gotta we gotta block him this certain way. Otherwise, He's going to cause headaches for us. And Aiden Hutchinson is that type of guy, right? And so you can really do a lot of, of damage with a good edge rusher. You can put pressure on the other team. By the way, a good edge, I, I'm a believer that the best secondary is a good <laughs> it's a good pass rush because if he's always on the quarterback, he's not going to have time to throw anyway. So you don't need to get a corner yet. You don't need to get those guys yet. Get Aiden Hutchinson, get a cornerstone piece, and move forward. I know there's going to be a lot of. I, I know you want to protect Trevor Lawrence and all that, but I think Aiden Hutchinson is the way to go here. Number two overall in the draft. I by the way, if the Lions were picking this, they have number two overall pick. If Aiden Hutchinson's still available, I believe they'll take him. But I don't think he's going to be available. I think the I think the uh, Jags are going to take him. So number two, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher, Oregon. Look, I saw him go up against Ohio State. Had success against Ohio State. It's funny, you know. Uh, he he's a very talented edge rusher, and I do believe that the Lions are going to start. I do need to get an edge rusher because, like I said, whenever. By the way, because because look, and I and like I just mentioned, whenever you're rebuilding a team like Dan Campbell is. And you gotta decide what to gut and what not to gut, and what to rebuild, and what to put where, and what piece, and and who to draft, and what coaches you should hire, and all of that. What will really make up for, and like I just said, what will really make up for insecurities or or troubles on the defensive end, in the back end, you know, troubles with corner, troubles with safeties, even troubles with linebackers. The ultimate band-aid on a defense is an edge rusher. And I don't think people realize that, but in this pass-heavy NFL today, that it is. 
and in this crazy pass-heavy NFL, going up against you know players like Pat Williams, going up against the Rams, whoever it is. Even if you have the best DBs on the field, and by the way, defensive backs, receivers, linebackers, all of those are very key important positions to have, and you need to have you need to have success at those positions. Obviously, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, if you're going to succeed, but when you're rebuilding something and you're just looking for the and you're looking for the next important thing to get. The next important position to try and see that you can have edge on the defense. Uh, if you believe that Jared Goff is the way to go to the future, and I believe they're, I, I believe they're going to stick with Jared Goff. I mean, look, Jared Goff beat Patrick Mahomes on the Monday Night game. Uh, Jared Goff won on Monday Night. Uh, he took them to the Super Bowl, lost, but took them to the Super Bowl. So it's not like he's bad. And so if you get uh, Thibodeau, then then you're potentially you're potentially Stealing those two positions, and like I just said, an edge is the is the ultimate band aid on a struggling defense, and it can help them out tremendously. So I think personally, they go Kayvon Thibodeau, get the edge rusher, and uh, move on from there. All right, number three overall Texans. Listen, there's some dispute on who the best tackle is. Personally, Evan Neal from Alabama. Look, Alabama has been producing some very, very good tackle prospects over the last few years. Uh, Jonah Williams comes to mind. Uh, Jedrick Willis comes to mind for the Browns. And obviously now Evan Neal. They can protect the quarterbacks. And so I, when in doubt, in the NFL draft, I go to schools that I go to schools that I know produce good prospects at certain positions. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama mostly for receivers. Ohio State, LSU mostly for defensive backs, and mostly you know Wisconsin, Iowa, and Alabama for offensive linemen. And so Evan Neal, I think to the Texans. Now there's a possibility that, that they trade this pick, but I, I, I think they just have so many position needs. There's a possibility that they trade back and get one of the quarterbacks because they don't need to draft him that high and they could get more draft picks. But I, I think if they draft, I, and, I, and I messed around with that a little bit, but it's just, look, draft picks are, or draft trades are so hard to predict. I, I, I'm not, I don't even want to mess with it because it's just going to be impossible to predict. So if they are picking a number three, I think they go Evan Neal. Number four, New York Jets. All right, I know this is going to come as a surprise, but we see more and more the value that comes from a receiver. We see that every single year more and more. They have a young quarterback in Zach Wilson who can run around. He's got a big arm. He's only going to develop more. You're in your second year with a coach. Uh, it doesn't appear as if the offensive line was in terrible shape. you got a lot of issues, but at this point in the draft, on you got issues on the side of the ball, but at this point in the draft, the two best edge players are taken. So personally... I think you get the best receiver prospect that you think that there is. Uh, and in my opinion, I think they're going to take Garrett Wilson. And I know it's, you're like what you just said the other day, that Chris Olave was the best in the uh, draft, in your opinion. I do think that those two are the best in draft. But the reason why I think they end up taking Garrett Wilson is because he's probably the most versatile out of the two of them. Probably the most versatile, uh, biggest catch radius, and can really help out a second-year quarterback in Zach Wilson. 
Number five, the New York Giants. Look, they looks like they're sticking with Daniel Jones. I don't think they're going to trade out of the pick. I think they're going to stick with a tackle, try to protect him more. I mean, after all, you are in a you are in a division now that had Chase Young, uh, that elite Washington front group. Uh, you also have some players on the defensive on Dallas's defensive side of the ball they go up against. So why not protect him? Get Charles Cross from Mississippi State tackle. All right, number six, Carolina Panthers. Look, they're in need of a quarterback, but like I said, I don't think you're going to see a team. In my opinion, they're either. I don't think you're going to see a quarterback get taken in the top ten of the draft. I think what's going to end up happening is teams in the top ten that are potentially looking at a quarterback may back down to that. They may trade back, but they're going to know. Look, I don't need to get him at the third pick. I don't need to get you know. Uh, I don't need to get Matt Corral with the sixth overall pick because he's going to be available later in the draft because there just aren't that many teams looking for a quarterback. So why not trade it and get back get more picks out of it or take who you want? Now, in my opinion, the Panthers are going to stick with Sam Darnold. They are going to stay there. And so we're going to have to see what happens there. But look, the number seven overall pick, New York Giants, I think they get, I apologize, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, Akeem Aquano. Like I said, he comes out of North Carolina State, okay? But like I said earlier, it's not that I question whether or not he's a good prospect. We've seen great prospects come from smaller schools. The only reason why I took Evan Neal and Charles Cross over him is because, like I said, one in doubt in the NFL draft, I think you go to the school that's produced the best prospects. Now, it doesn't mean I think Akeem Aquano is not going to be a great prospect. I think people are saying he's a great tackle prospect. That's great. Pick him up. Protect Sam Darnold. Now, I am going to I'm gonna try to speed this up a little bit because we do have a, mock, a whole mock draft here. But number seven, New York Giants. All right. So, look, like I said again, you're in the division with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, that Washington defensive front and Dallas's defensive front, which isn't as good, but it's still pretty good. You got two picks here. You can make a move for a receiver if you really want to. I think you got weapons for Daniel Jones. I think the most important thing you could do to develop Daniel Jones and stick with him is protect him the best, try to really, really rebuild that offensive line. By the way, if the offensive line can improve, and I know people are going to say Quan Barkley our time, but I've seen Saquon Barkley at his best. He is unbelievable. And so if you give him a lane, you give him some more rushing lanes, he doesn't get hurt, that could potentially, potentially, I'm not saying they will be, be a dangerous team. So personally, I think they go more, I, I, I think they move with the offensive line. Like I said, one in doubt, get players from big schools. I was known for their prospects. I was known for their offensive line prospects. Tyler Linderbaum. From Iowa. Center. Can play the position well. And we know for a fact. Iowa produces good offensive linemen. Why not Why not try to completely get. Why not try to completely rebuild. That offensive line. If you're not looking to rebuild at the quarterback position. Number 8. Atlanta Falcons. Look I debate on this back and forth. But we do know obviously. With the whole situation going on there. That they're going to need a receiver. And uh if you it's it's nothing we know that they that the, that their last couple drafts or their 
or their last elite receivers they've had have mostly been from Alabama. Uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. And so why not stick with that? Get Matt Ryan a weapon. You need a receiver. Uh, and by the way, if you're the Little Falcons, you can look at this is a year that you can capitalize on it. Why not get James Williams a speed guy? Give Matt Ryan uh, a chance. Give him a weapon. So Because this is a year of opportunity potentially for you. Because th- how many years has it been for the Falcons? Probably never when Matt Ryan's been their quarterback. Still has a couple good years left. How many years has it been where they where they haven't had to deal with Drew Brees or Tom Brady, two all-time greats? They don't have to deal with that anymore in their division. And so they could look at this year as a potential to win the division because even the depth and the talent that Tampa Bay has, they don't have the quarterback situation figured out. So this is a year. Get them a weapon. See what you can do. Number nine, Seattle. Look, I debated back and forth on this. Again, I'm going to say the same thing I said before about edge rushers. I think when in doubt, get an edge rusher. I don't think Seattle's done looking at quarterbacks, but I don't think they're going to try to get one in the draft. I think they're going to try to get someone in free agency, or they're going to stick with Drew Locke. So, what's the best thing to do for your defense? Because like I said, they got no players, that, like I've said, with multiple of these top 10 teams picking the first round. They've got no cornerstone pieces. So, why not go ahead, get an edge... George Kurlaftis out of Purdue. Look, Seattle's got a lot of holes to fill. I talked about it yesterday. They got a steep, steep rebuild. Why not get an edge, see what you can do with the quarterback market, but get an edge with that number nine overall pick, try to cover up some of the band-aids that are missing. If you're ever going to get back to Legion of Boom status, you're going to first and foremost need an edge rusher. So why not start with George Kurlaftis out of Purdue? Number 10, New York Jets. All right, I know this can sound weird. But I think what you do here for the New York Jets, you could have obviously spent one of the picks on a tackle. But I, like I said, I don't think their offensive line doesn't look in bad shape. Why not get Chris Olave? Here's why. So first of all, when if you get Chris Olave, you have two Ohio State receivers that played together. So two of your receivers have very good chemistry and bond. You can get those both for Zach Wilson, and all of a sudden, that Jets offense doesn't look so bad. All of a sudden, it doesn't look so bad, right? You got Robert Sala as the coach. You got Zach Wilson, who's got a super high ceiling, still developing. You got two very young, talented receivers, speed guys, catch radius guys, athletic guys that could really help out that Jets team, and 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 really get some. That can really help out that Jets team, and and really uh, make them more explosive. Number eleven. All right, I know this seems late, but for Washington. So I talked about earlier, I would not be surprised at all if Washington decides they want to trade up and try to get a, get one of those top three guys. But if that doesn't happen, I think what they look possibly into is, hey, we want to get a receiver. But at this point, the top three guys are already taken. The top three guys are already taken. Why don't we just simply really secure the defense we know we got a good front but we could always improve in the back end get the best safety prospect arguably Kyle Hamilton Kyle Hamilton who's still sitting right there from Notre Dame sure up the defense get a receiver in the draft all of a sudden our back ends looking pretty good our fronts looking good our team's not looking so bad in a winnable conference and I won't go into that again but that could potentially really help that team 
Number 12, Minnesota. Look, I know they want to get a quarterback, potentially move off Kirk Cousins, but I think they get Derek Stingley Jr. Because when it gets to 12 to 15, my belief is certain players that you want are going to be gone. And there are certain positions that, that if that player was still available, you take them. But at that point as well, you could be looking at it and saying, look, the thing is, we might want a receiver, but this level of corner prospect is still sitting there. And I think the Minnesota Vikings have a receiver, and I, and I don't think they're going to want to get a quarterback that high so they can get Derek Stanley Jr., Number 13, the Browns. Look, they lose Odell last year. I don't think they're getting a quarterback. I think why not get another receiver, weapon for Baker. I think Traylon Burks from Arkansas could potentially help them out. Uh, and, and, and next up is their division rival, Baltimore Ravens. All right. So, look, I debated back and forth on this. I Let me say this. If one of those top three guys is there, and it's nothing against these other receivers in the draft. But one of these top three guys is there. I think they get him. Get another weapon for Lamar Jackson. But I think the other thing you have to think about with the Ravens is they're looking at this year in their division. They got to face Joe Burrow twice a year and a Browns team that is very good. A lot of weapons, very good offense. So why not sure up the defensive side of the ball? Because there's a... uh, his nickname Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati did not allow a touchdown in like a crazy amount of snaps. Uh, why not uh, pick pick him up, cheer up the defensive side of the ball because you're in a division with some crazy athletes. All right, number 15, Philadelphia Eagles. Look, I think you got weapons for Jalen Hurts. I think your offensive side of the ball isn't looking terrible. But... You're in division with Dak Prescott and now Carson Wentz. Why not get a corner? I really like this corner from Washington, Trent McDuffie. First of all, the one thing I will say about Philadelphia is this. They've got a lot of needs on the defense side of the ball. Um, Jalen Hurts looked looked great to me. Um, so, look, I, I think you're looking at, at Washington. Philadelphia, they've got two trade picks. I think they go Trent McDuffie, then they go Devin Lloyd from Utah. Get a linebacker to help stop the run. Get a corner, and and your team your team's going to be contending for the NFC East next year. Number seventeen, Los Angeles Chargers. Look, you are now in a division now with Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr, and I would suggest somebody or someone. Uh, which exists somebody on the other side of the ball. But at the same time, Justin Herbert could really use another weapon. I think Drake London from USC could potentially be that guy. 18, New Orleans Saints. I think you get Malik Willis from Liberty. Look, you've struggled the past couple of years. And by the way, I, you notice I talk a lot about divisions because I think that's a huge thing. But when you look in your division, I think what also should affect the draft is window of opportunity. And people don't talk about the whole lot. They talk about future pieces, and that's fine. For Jacksonville, getting Aiden Hutchinson is huge because that's fine. But if you're the Saints, do you take a risk and get Malik Willis and say, you know what? We may not have Drew Brees anymore, but we still have pieces. We still have weapons. We still have a good team. We may not have Sean Payton or Drew Brees, but there's no reason here why we can't potentially get a new quarterback. And there's no reason... Why that quarterback 
uh, can't be Malik Willis from Liberty, and why we can't take over this division. Tom Brady's gone. The Bucks and I have a loaded roster, but we beat them with Tom Brady. Why won't we beat them without Tom Brady? So I think personally, they take a shot at Malik Willis from Liberty. All right, Eagles get another pick. Really sure up that front seven, getting a Kobe Dean from Georgia. I think they go all in on defense, try to rebuild some of those pieces. Number 20, Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, Big Ben just left, right? And it appears as if you're not really going after a quarterback. Why not try Sam Howell from North Sam Howell from North Carolina? I've seen him play. He's good. Why not at least try him? Mike Tomlin can always coach. I mean, Mike Tomlin can coach anybody. All right, New England. By the way, I won't be surprised if New England trades up to get a receiver. But they need some peace on the defense side of the ball too. Why not get Trayvon Walker, Edge from Georgia, see what he can help you out in your vision. I mean, you're playing Josh Allen twice a year. Uh, I, I mean, you're playing Josh Allen twice a year. So why not see what you can do uh, with an edge rusher? All right, Raiders. Look, they always go after speed guys. But in my opinion, once again, I'm going to talk about the division because I think it's important. You now have Russell Wilson to play twice a year. Justin Herbert to play twice a year. And not even to mention Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Why not get a corner to help you out on the back end? Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson can really help you out on the back end, of really, especially with the ability of those guys to push the ball down the field. All right, Cardinals. Look, we still don't know. Number 23. We still do not know what their position is with Kyler Murray. We just don't. With that being said, it appears as if Kyler Murray is going to come back. And it appears as if everything's going to be okay there. So, you have weapons. I think you've got a lot of players on the side of the ball. And we're hearing reports now that teams are interested uh, in Bobby Wagner. Cardinals are one of those teams. But, nonetheless, why not protect Kyler Murray more? Give him some more time. Because, here's the thing. We all know Kyler Murray is small. And we all know he can run to escape and make up for some of the, some of the faults in the offensive line. But if Kylo Murray doesn't have to run so much earlier on in the year and get and get hit and stuff like that, maybe like like we were talking about yesterday, this team won't run out of gas at the end of the season and get all beat up, and and maybe it will last longer. So you got to protect him. So in my opinion, I think you get a tackle, Bernhard Rayman from Central Michigan. I think it protects Kylo Murray, makes your team last a little longer. Number twenty four, Dallas, Kayon Green. And I think it's a guard from Texas A&M. Look, you had trouble last year. The offensive line is getting older. Protect Dak. You put all your money in him. You got to protect him. Number 25, Buffalo Bills. Look, I think this kid is extremely underrated. I loved watching him play. I put him in my top five receivers. The Bills. Jahan Dotson. Look, you've got players now. Right? Like, you've got receivers. You've got talent on that on that team. But if you get Jahan Dotson, you're talking about Stefan Diggs, you're talking about Emmanuel Sanders, and you're talking about Jahan Dotson, who is an athletic freak and could potentially give you an extra weapon the next time you go up against, you know, the next time you go up against somebody uh, like a Kansas City or someone that you need explosive plays. You already got him. Why not get another weapon? Number 26 in the draft, Tennessee Titans. Look, their offense is fine, in my opinion. 
But I think they really need some edge pressure. I think that really cost them. And I know that's like sounds crazy because they sacked Cincinnati so many times. But I really just think they need some edge pressure more and more throughout the season. And so I think they go out and get the other edge from Michigan, David Ajabo. Look, uh, I think when you are in a position that the Titans are in, you need more edge pressure. You don't really need a whole lot of talent. Like I said, when in doubt, get an edge. Put some pressure on the other team. I think David Jabo is that guy. All right, number 27, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've said this multiple times. You don't know what your quarterback situation is, but you do know you have a stacked team. Take a chance on somebody. I think they take a chance on Matt Corral from Ole Miss and see what happens. Uh, and watch who happens that division. Number 28, Green Bay. I think you protect Aaron Rodgers, you just paid him four more years. He's going to get older. Don't want him to get hurt. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Get a tackle. Protect him. Number 29, Miami. Now, this one's a lot of people are going to disagree with. I think they take a chance Desmond Ritter, who's an athletic guy, can play the position. And look, I know, and I have nothing against to it personally. I think he's a good quarterback. But I know that you get the sense that they're not, you know, they're not crazy about Tua. So, or at least that's some, uh, you know, I mean, they do like, they obviously like Tua. But if you want somebody that's a little athletic, can do can move around, maybe try Desmond Ray, we're going to run the four forwards as a quarterback. Number 30, Kansas City, they need some more pressure. I think they get Devontae White from Georgia, one of the best players in the country last year. Huge part of that defensive success. I think they get him. Put some pressure on opposing teams. Number 31, Cincinnati Bengals. Look, we know... They got to the Super Bowl without a good offensive line. So what if they can upgrade that offensive line and they get Zion Johnson, guard from Boston College. And then lastly, 32, Detroit's picking again. I think they get Jalen Pater from Baylor. I think when you look at Detroit Lions, uh, this draft class in the first round, they go all in on upgrading their defense. So they get Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge, and then a corner Number 32 uh, in the, with the 32 overall pick in the NFL draft. All right, guys. So that was my mock draft 1.0. Let me always think there will be more on the way. But now at the combine, a lot of the trade stuff out there, I finally got one together. Please let me know what you think. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode. It really means a lot to me. And one more thing before you guys go. If you are still listening, I do appreciate it. I'd just like to share with you guys uh, a uh, Bible verse really quick. It comes from Romans. And uh, it's uh, Romans, uh, starting at Romans 10, 9. And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, uh, look, I'd like to ask you a question. And if you are still listening, I do appreciate it. Um... Are you washed in, in Jesus' blood? Are you saved? Are you born again? Um, 
Because the Bible says if you're not born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. But I got good news. You can be born again. And you don't get to heaven by being a good person because we're all bad. And you don't get to heaven by doing a charity or whatever. You might do good works when you are saved. But you cannot be saved till you confess Jesus as the Lord and put your faith and trust that he died on the cross for your sins. Because he did that. Because God loves us so much that he sent his son down. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if you want eternal life, all you got to do is put your faith in Jesus and follow his way. Follow his word. Get your Bible out. Read it. If, and if you if you want help starting off, text DM me on Red Zone R Square Radio. If you need help with questions of faith or anything, I highly encourage you to go to uh, something I listen to a lot is crossexamine.org. Frank Turek. Uh, he will really help you strengthen your faith if you have any questions about God. Uh, and look, uh, if you want to start reading the Bible, I suggest you start in the Gospels and you read and you and I promise you start reading it. You never want to stop because um, this is full of good news uh, of what Jesus will do for you because he loves you. So uh, if you want to do that, I encourage you to do so. If you would, I would just like to say one prayer with you really quick. Dear Father, I say whoever is listening to this, please touch their heart. Please let them know that you are there. And please let them know that that they can have eternal life by calling upon the name of the Lord and following him. Thank you for all I do first, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are still listening, I do greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for uh, listening. Uh, it really does mean a lot. Have a great day. I'll see you next time on Right Zone Radio, and God bless.